Hello, and welcome to the Sporting Max Podcast, where we take a snapshot of the current sporting world. Today's episode is brought to you by Beckon, Melbourne's leading concrete placement specialist. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Sporting Max podcast. I'm your host, Max Becker, and today we're joined by pro golfer, PGA professional, Tyson Myers. Welcome, Tyson. Thanks, Max. Uh, yeah, very happy to be on and, and join you, um, especially throughout these times. You're obviously doing something very productive, and um, I hope listeners get something out of it. So, Tyson, it's really tough times. As a PGA professional with all the golf courses closed, it must be really tough at the moment. Tell us about like what, are you, what you're doing during these times. Yeah, I think we'll probably touch base on that. Um, for us in Victoria, there's no golf. Um, the rest of the nation obviously has some golf at the moment. So Victoria is the only state that's sort of shut off from golf. Yeah. So I think that's probably tough not just for us as, I guess, um, employees within the golf industry, but for members as well who are kind of isolated and stuck at home and wishing they could get out and do something that they enjoy. As for me, um, I've probably been at home or or off work for about a month now. Um, It's given me an opportunity to do some stuff I wouldn't usually allocate time to or I would I would neglect a little bit um I've been able to sort of transform my business online um which was something that I always had intentions of doing but just never really sort of allocated enough time for it so I've explored a couple of different online platforms um I'm also trying to get out as much sort of video content that I can to the members and sort of just market sort of what I do and, and what we do at the golf club so I've sort of been teaching myself how to video edit um, and with no experience in that space, it's been a um, definitely been an educational process, something that I thought would only take me four or five hours, probably took me four or five days to sort of, you know, dive in and actually sort of teach yourself and, and familiarise yourself with a platform. Um, so, yeah, the online coaching has been really good. Um I surf a little bit and live pretty close to the surf beach. So that's probably been my daily outlet. Um, Throughout April, there's been some pretty good surf. So I've been trying to get in the water sort of every second day for a surf when when there has been some swell. I got your latest email with how you've had to change the way you coach, doing it online. How does that work? Yeah, so as I mentioned before, I I sort of, because it was quite new to me, um, there was a couple of different online platforms that I sort of explored. Um, the one that I landed on and, and you would have seen me market, which was called Coach Now, yeah. um, ended up probably being the best option because it's going to allow me to integrate both online or remote lessons and live lessons. So I offer sort of two packages online, one of which is a, an individual lesson and then one of which is a monthly subscription, which is ongoing. Um, so for a one-off lesson, you can pay $39. Um, someone records their swing from down the line and also face on. And then from there, we create a little bit of a communication platform, um, what their faults are, what they're looking for. I review the swing. Um, I can do a voiceover on, on the video that they send me, send it back to them. So they can, and I can draw some, some lines and things like that on it and give them a bit of feedback. And then after that, I can also drop in there um, some drills that I want them to work on. 
And after that, we can have a bit of a Q&A just on, on their practice techniques. The way the monthly subscription works is it's a slightly different model. That's $79 a month, but it's pretty much 24-7 access. So that's pretty much unlimited coaching in a way. You know, I've allocated time aside each day um, where I touch base with my online clients. So they can send me swings daily and I'll get back to them within that time, which I personally think is going to be a, a really good add-on um, for clients even when we get back to say normal times. Um, so someone can come in for a lesson and then from there as they go away and they start to practice, this works really well um, because they've always got regular access to yeah. me. You know, a lot of times I see clients walk away from lessons and sometimes they may be a little confused Sometimes they may understand it, but they may lose that feeling. You know, you've come along to to golf lessons before and you know what it's like when you're trying to do something and you've got your coach there giving you feedback. It's good, but a week down the track or two weeks down the track where you lose that message, like, I just wish I could get reconnect with my golf coach. And now it's as simple as upload a swing to the platform and away you go. And the thing I really liked about coach now and probably the reason I – landed on that in the two main reasons the way it sort of stores your golf swing whether you're online or live is it creates a a feed almost so you've always you can always reference that so think of say facebook for instance when you're sort of scrolling through your feed every lesson that you have it categorizes into that feed so you know we may be working on one component today and it stores it in that feed then if we have another lesson that next lesson you're supposed to sit on top of it and you've always got access to the technical, I guess, refinements that you've been working on or the drills you've been working on. Um, so you never lose track of anything yeah. you've been working on. Um, in three months' time when we could be possibly back to playing golf, um, what do you think you can learn from the current situation to make you a better golfer? Yeah, I think we definitely are going to be a lot more grateful, that's for sure, um, if that this time is for us to think that we probably take day-to-day life for a little bit of granted. Um, yes. So as I sort of mentioned before, a lot of the practices that I've been able to put in place um, are not only going to strengthen probably me as a golfer, but my coaching business and, you know, the service that we can roll out to the members. So on the other side of this, um, you know, I'm definitely going to be networking a lot more with my clients remotely uh, via that online coaching app. I'm going to be releasing a lot more online content myself um, via social media and, and video marketing, my email database, and I'm going to be trying to do some YouTube stuff as well, some instructional content, um, just to sort of educate the world um, in five and ten minute videos. Cool. So um, let's go back a bit now. How did you start your journey as a kid before entering the golfing world? What was growing up like for you? Yeah, so <laughs> um, I probably started golf um, similar age to, to sort of you are now. I was just starting sort of high school. Um, I was sort of in that transition between year grade six and year seven. Um, yeah. I wasn't really playing a lot of sport at the time. My grandfather played golf. Um, and so I had a couple of mates who played golf and 
didn't really think much of it. I went down, had a bit of a hit and kind of almost fell in love with it instantly, yeah. Um, from there, sort of played recreationally um, on weekends for a couple of years. You know, on and off, might have played once a week or once a fortnight. And then when I was sort of 14 or 15, realised I really enjoyed doing it and sort of started practising and playing a little bit more regularly. And school holidays were were a wonderful thing. Like, you know, it was, it was sun up to sundown pretty much at the golf yeah. club. Um, I remember when I was 15, there was one school holidays. I think I went from a 15 handicap to a five handicap in cool. a seven-week period, you know, <laughs> because you were just there every day. Um, that's all you did. You, you know, if we could, we would play... 54 holes in a day you know we would just golf and golf and golf and that's what we enjoyed so from probably 15 onwards was where I realized that I enjoy it I was passionate I was willing to put the time in um sort of from 17 onwards that's where I started playing some fairly competitive golf um and yeah when I left school it was pretty clear I wasn't a bad student um I'd definitely say I wasn't a great student, but um, I enjoyed golf and definitely wanted to pursue pursue golf as a career. What golf course did you play at when you were younger, like 15 and stuff? Yeah, so I, I've i grown up and, and still currently live on the Ballerine Peninsula. Um, so I played quite a lot between two golf clubs. Um, so I grew up living in Clifton Springs, um, although my grandfather and, and um, ultimately my father were members at Port Arlington. So I'd sort of play a little bit on the weekends down at Port Arlington, um, but midweek I'd play Clifton Springs, you know, the golf yep. course. And it was all just geographically. Um, the golf course in Clifton Springs was riding distance, so I could take a couple of clubs on my push bike and I could drive down the golf club and um, practice down there. And then on the weekends I'd, I'd get a lift down to Port Arlington. Tell me, tell me and us a bit about how you became a PGA member and professional golfer. What did you have to do and how does it work? Yeah, so when I was 20, um, I sort of realised I was, I was passionate enough about the golf industry um, and I wanted to start a traineeship. So there is some prerequisites to a PGA traineeship. Um, so you have to play with a certain standard at the time. I think you had to be off less than a three handicap. You had to have uh, subsequently completed year 12. Um, and there was uh, another couple of conditions that you had to meet. That way there you were eligible to apply for a traineeship. So I applied to the PGA. Um, from there, they get back to you. You go and do some playing tests. So you have to go and sit three playing tests. Now, I already was playing some in a golf at the time so I think I only had to do two or three of those playing tests or had an average that they could work off so I went and did those then you have to sit an interview process um, so you go up to the home of the PGA at Sandhurst and you sit in front of a, a panel they interview you um, I was fortunate enough that I already had a job or a position lined up at Port Arlington yep. I was sort of working casually there at the time um, so my indentured traineeship was under Matt Milne, um, which was three years. Cool. And through that three years, do you want to dive into that a little bit? Yeah, yeah. What the traineeship entailed. So 
Um, I worked 38 hours a week in the shop, so full-time in the shop. Um, plus we played every Monday and playing was statewide. So we've been Ballarat, Bendigo, um, you know, Frankston, Mornington, Mildura, you know, wherever the tournaments sort of were. So usually sort of for me, you know, you'd sort of do a pretty full week, um, four, four and a half days a week in the shop. Sunday afternoons, I'd sort of travel to wherever that destination would be. And then Monday we would sort of play as trainees. Um, we'd play against each other for a prize pool. Um, so when we played, we had to meet a certain playing standard. And then obviously because we were doing a diploma as well, we had some education via correspondence we had to do. So there was assignments that we had to submit um, online either every week or every second week. So um, time management was critical. What is the biggest sacrifice that you've made for golf so far? Uh, yeah, probably two things I could touch base on. Time management was number one. Um, as I briefly mentioned before, when your schedule is that jam-packed for three years, because it's not just, you know, working 38 hours a week and then turning up on Monday and playing and, and then the assignments, like you've still got to play to a certain standard, so you've still got to allocate um, sufficient practice time so you can meet yep. those standards. The second one is I think if you're going to work in the golf industry, you've got to understand you're working weekends. So um, it's a bit of a trade-off at, at the end of the day. Um, I've worked a lot, a lot of weekends, which means there's you know, quite a few things that I've missed, whether that be sporting events, whether that be family and friends parties or whatever it meant. Um, but ultimately that's a sacrifice and probably willing to make for something you are really yeah. passionate about, something you enjoy. Uh, looking back on it, the trade-off is definitely, definitely worth it. Yeah. Tell me a bit about where you've played the tour or like tournaments you've played in and who you've played against. Yeah. So the extent of my playing career um, isn't great. I don't play a lot of competitive events um, these days, mostly due to time management, I guess, where I invest my time. Um, I was playing quite a lot through my traineeship um, and that took us all around Australia pretty much. You know, we had state championships in Queensland, state championships in New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia, WA. Um, so I've done a little bit of travel. In regards to who we played against, there was... Um, a handful of trainees that were, were very, very handy and have gone on to sort of forge some playing careers. For me, however, though, um, I realised pretty early on that playing wasn't probably where I was as passionate and that's probably why I am, I am today. Um, I really enjoyed sort of the, the relationships and the networks that I created with members and, and the coaching side of the business. Yep. Um, I enjoyed teaching people and, and growing that side of it. Port, the Port, Port Arlington Golf Club is ranked as the 62nd best golf course in Australia and is, is a very successful and commercially viable golf club. How did you get into your role there? And for the listeners, what is your role? Yeah, so Port Arlington Golf Club's a, a great venue. It's a venue... As, the, as you and the listeners will probably establish that I've created a fairly lengthy relationship with now, um, 
as we touched base on before, I was playing some junior golf there when I was sort of 15 years old and I'm now 29 years old. So um, do the math, that's 14 years. I've sort of been somewhat connected or invested at the Port Arlington Golf Club. So I played a little bit um, as a junior. Um, tail end of finishing school, I obviously realised I had to go and enter the bad world. Um, so I had to get myself a, a job. I managed two jobs. Um, I was working casually at the golf club at the time yeah. and then I worked casually at a um, pub in Geelong, Lord of the Isles, and I sort of juggled the two and then just pretty much played as, as much golf as I possibly could until 2011, as we mentioned before, when I commenced my traineeship, um, of which that was three years. Um, and as we stand today, my role has changed a little bit. Um, the hours that I do working in the pro shop, I've sort of taken a step back from. Um, and I'm sort of the, the teaching professional at Port Arlington, um, as well as one of the assistant professionals as well. So as we briefly mentioned, a little bit of a jack of all trades. Um, my week is mostly split between coaching and working some shop hours as well. Where do you want to be in the future and doing what? I don't love what I do, yeah. Um, where that ends up being, um, I'm not going to necessarily shut off any doors. My my world is, is open. Um, I love golf, though, um, so I imagine it would be something in the golf industry. Um, I am trying to grow my coaching business because that's what I enjoy doing most from day to day. So I would like to continue doing that. Um, the remote coaching has been a, a great asset. It's going to be something yeah. that doesn't limit me geographically or location-based. It means that, you know, anyone in the world can essentially tap into to me as a resource and we can, can network together. Um, so I'd love to stay in the golf industry. Uh, I'd love to keep growing my coaching business and, and see where that eventuates. Can you trainee shit? Um, who's the best trainee that you've probably versed who's grown into like a career of playing? Yes, I was really, really fortunate. Um, the first year in my travel, um, I probably travelled with, they were easily the two best trainees in Victoria um, and they were probably in the, the top handful of trainees in Australia at the time. So every week that I turn up to tournaments, I'd turn up with these two guys and they would absolutely run circles around me, um, which was Jack Wilson and Ben Ford. Um, so travelling with those guys, um, it gave me a perspective on a couple of things, just how good you have to be, so from a talent perspective and the work ethic that you have to have. Um, they were definitely more talented and they were definitely hungrier than I was at the time. So um, it didn't take me long, you know, once I first entered my traineeship that I realised I was definitely not forged to be a player. You know, I, I enjoyed the business side of things and I enjoyed, definitely enjoyed the coaching side of things. Um, Jack's gone on to play. He's still playing. Um, I'm not sure where he has his tour card at the moment. I know he'd have a, an Aussie tour card at the moment, I'd imagine. Yeah. He has gone on to play in Asia. Um, he was a really good player. And, and Ben, 
he in our first year he won a trainee state championship cool. um, and had a lot of talent. Ben's now got a young family and probably doesn't play as much as Jack, but two guys that had a lot of talent. And um, looking back on it, I was really happy that I got to travel with them because it gave me a really good insight to, to just how good you could be. What's the best golf course worldwide that you've played at? Um, to date? Yeah, to date. Uh, I'd say Royal Adelaide. Um, very unique in the fact that it's the only golf course I can think of that a train runs through the middle of. Um, it's actually got a set of train tracks that, that run through the middle. So um, that's just really, really unique. And you can be sitting in the middle of a fairway about to approach a green and then you hear the, the train, a horn of a train going past. Um, but cut out through some really, really good landscape, great condition. Um, Melbourne-based, I really enjoy Metropolitan Golf Club. And then on the Ballarat Peninsula, you can't pass the Mint Beach. Who is your favourite player in the world to watch and why? Uh, I'm definitely missing golf at the moment. I can say that much. I think a lot of us are. Um, I think it's very hard to look past Tyler, um, what he has done for the game, how exciting he made the game. Um, and Spanning across so many decades, he can still win. You know, yeah. it's pretty crazy. Uh, everything he's gone through in his lifetime from, you know, injuries and, you know, things that, that have happened in the media and then the comeback and, and to still win and, and especially win another major again. Um, I think he's pretty exciting. There is some really, really good young talent out there now. Um, I just enjoy looking at TV and watching the PGA for these days because... Yeah. Those guys are really, really talented, but they've got Tiger to thank for it because he was so good. He set the benchmark so high, so when these kids came out, they realised just how good they had to be. How do golf professionals make money? Players? Oh, profe- like you. Yeah, so um, let's talk about me. Um, so... How I pay the bills and how I pay the mortgage is split across a couple of avenues. Um, working in a pro shop, I obviously get paid a wage to do that. Um, so I work X amount of hours and, and I earn money from that. And then from my coaching-related services as well. So we roll out a bunch of different services, whether they be individual private lessons, whether they be group-based formats. Um, we get paid or I get paid for those. Um there's a couple of different models. There's, yep. say, Matt at the golf club. That's his business. So I'm actually directly employed to Matt. So Matt gets paid um, a small retainer from the golf club to be their club professional. And then he earns the additional income from stock sales and lessons and things like that that he does. So um, the stock sales from hardware and apparel or if we, you know, hire out a cart or something like that. That's how he earns his additional revenue streams. But with that, he's also got some overheads as well. He's got to pay us wages um, and things like that. As for touring professionals, well, that's where it gets a little tougher. Um, I think a lot of people, when they look at professional golfers or, 
or any professional sports people, they see the pinnacle and they yeah. see the guys in the US tour and how attractive it is and the money they're earning. However, I can tell you there's a lot of good, very, very good golfers that are playing on some smaller tours that don't earn a lot of money. Oh. Um, they, they rely on, you know, some friends and family or, you know, some corporate agreements or sponsorship to kind of get them through, I guess, because as you can imagine, travelling the world to play golf tournaments isn't cheap. Um, yeah. If you're not finishing in the prize money, it makes it even tougher. So yeah. Um, I think to make it in the top level of any sport, you've not only got to be extremely talented, but you've got to have a lot of self-belief as well. What's the one tip that you'd give to any hack golfer like my dad out there? Yeah, this one's pretty easy. Uh, Figure out why you're playing the sport and if your frustrations continue, if you're willing to deal with those frustrations. So what I mean by that is um, we obviously enjoy playing golf because of the challenge that it provides. However, I think it's human nature that anything we do, we want to get better. So if you want to get better, what I would say is I think it's really important to maybe consult with a professional and not just go and get one lesson and and presume that that is going to be the answer. Like I'd actually sit down with that professional um, and talk about your journey, talk about where your golf is currently at and talk about potentially where you want to get to and actually forge a plan. Yeah. Um, Through my experience, what I see majority of clients do um they're fairly i guess result driven uh, I've, I've had a lot of lessons book in because they've walked in the pro shop i feel bad in golf and they just want to book one lesson and then that one lesson is going to fix all their problems but unfortunately one and done isn't always the case you know it's a journey that you've got to go on so my tip would be to say figure out where you are now figure out what frustrates you in golf create a plan to where you want to get to and consult a, consult a PGA professional about it and, and create a plan. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Uh, finally, Tyson, yeah. what is your best advice to any young aspiring kid out there wanting to learn and develop as a player? Uh, yeah, this ties in... Um, a lot with some of the programs that we're going to be rolling out the other side of this. Um, I think golf has definitely been overlooked a little bit um, over other sports. And I know I've been a little naive in this area here. Uh, You turn up to to golf most Sundays and traditionally it has just been practice related. Um, You know, if you've done a term or you've done two terms with us, How many times in that term have you actually been out in the golf course and played around a golf? None. Yeah, exactly right. So I think you need to find a program, if you want to improve, that has both. That, that challenges you in a training environment where you turn up and you practice, but allows you to take those skills out in the golf course. Um, and that's what you're going to find from our programs moving forward that, we're going to develop a shortened course. As you can imagine, a full golf course is being intimidating for a 13 year We're going to develop a, a shortened course and we're going to challenge some of those skills. So 
I'd find a program that has some structure. I would find a program that has an instructor or a PJ professional that you can easily get along with, you can network with, you can ask questions and you can build a rapport with. Because golf, like any sport, is something that is a journey and is something that you can be in for a very long time. So you've got to make sure when you're turning up every week that you're interested, you want to be there, but you can have fun at the end of the day. Yeah. You know, you can bounce off not only the, the instructor, but you can bounce off the other kids. So structure is super important and get out in the golf course. I can't think of any other sport where you turn up and train every week to not play the sport. Like you don't go to soccer training every week to not go out and not try and kick goals or you don't go to footy training every week just to kick the ball to each other or you don't go to tennis training to not play on the weekends. So that's from my experience what I've found with golf, um, especially your age and let's say younger, there's just been a lot of training. There hasn't been as much whole and fun in the golf course to get to experience the challenges. Oh, sorry, Tyson. One last question. Who do you think the best young player at the golf club is? Like, as in, like, in their 20s or, like? Um, you've put me on the spot now, haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> I can't say myself. Yeah. <laughs> um... I'd have to say in a young player in their 20s, maybe Max, um, who's our trainee professional. So Max is fairly passionate. Um, I saw him today. He's really looking forward to getting out of isolation and and being able to get out on the golf course. For him, it's a little more challenging because he lives directly over the road from the golf course. So as soon as he walks out his front door, he sees a course that he can't play on at the moment. (laughs) Yeah. so I would say I'd say Maxi. So if he keeps working his game, um, yeah, he's got a bright future. Well, thank you, Tyson, for being part of the Sporting Max podcast. No worries at all, mate. I look forward to um, hearing the rest of the the episodes and um, seeing you back out in the golf course. Hopefully, very very soon. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of Sporting Max. We'll be back soon with more podcasts. Thanks for listening to Sporting Max. Be sure to like this episode and tune in on iTunes and SoundCloud. This episode was brought to you by Beckon, Melbourne's leading concrete placement specialist.